0: Well, greetings and welcome to our weekly meditation series. I'm Todd, the editor here at Fresh Text. If you're joining us for the first time for this week's meditation, we want to remind you that this weekly series is typically available to our patron saints at patreon.com forward slash fresh text. However, for this season of Lent, we are making the meditations available to all listeners here in the general Fresh Text feed. If you are benefiting from these reflections, we ask that you consider visiting our Patreon site, where you can view the variety of patronage options available, as after the conclusion of Holy Week, the meditations will no longer be available in the general feed. Today's meditation contains reflections on quotations from the book of Mark, chapter 2, and is entitled, Who is the Son of Man? Welcome to Fresh Text Weekly Special, our weekly meditation this week will be drawn from the book of Mark. We'll be reading two short passages and following a uh, slightly varied form of our usual uh, Lectio Divina approach. It seemed to me that now that we've arrived at the end of the second chapter of Mark, in the series of reflections we've been doing on these weekly specials, that it seemed a good time to take stock and uh, take a look at a a theme that has emerged. And that theme is this reference to the Son of Man or the Son of Adam. The Son of Man is one of these strange titles that Jesus uh, uses to speak perhaps about himself, but always in a vague way, that invites us to see different layers and different aspects. And so uh, this week, I'm going to lead us through, according to the Spirit, but not the letter of Lectio Divina, by reading two short quotes from Christ's mouth, with a brief moment of silence, and then offering a comment to invite you to reflect, and then I'll Uh, have another pause, and then I'll read the text again and offer a second comment, and then again, same form, a third time. So we'll kind of spread out the meditations and times of reflection in a slightly different way. So let's begin with our first silence now by simply entering in with our breath and with our body. Even if you're taking a drive or taking a walk, You can still notice unnecessary tension. I know I listen to podcasts in the car a lot, and I will notice, if it's a more meditative one, that I'm hunched over the steering wheel more than I need to be, that I can actually sit up and relax my back a little, because I don't need every muscle of my body to tense up when I'm driving. So, of course, be safe, but uh, nevertheless, release any unnecessary tension. And if you're in a place where you want to pause it and just have the silence take a little longer to center yourself, that would be just fine, too. So let's take a moment in silence to prepare our bodies and souls to receive the Word of God. Now our first reading. Jesus, having forgiven the sins of the paralytic, perceived in his spirit that the scribes were questioning within themselves. And he said, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he turned to the paralytic and said, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God. And then a little later, when the Pharisees challenge Jesus' disciples For plucking grain on the Sabbath, he concludes his response with this. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. So here's the two quotes we're going to reflect on today as we explore who is the Son of Man. So that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Take a silent moment just to let those words begin to be internalized within you. Now let us reflect on the first possible meaning of this title, the son of man. The word for man in Aramaic and Hebrew, which though this story is written in Greek, that would be its background, is the word ha-adam, the Adam, which is clearly related to the word Adam, because the first quote man also's name was just the man. <laughs> so son of man or son of Adam is clearly a, in its first obvious sense, if you had no other background than the opening chapters of Genesis and a few Psalms, son of man sounds like a human being. Any human being is in some sense the son of man. Now this is not the whole story, but I do want us to pause on that. For the first time Jesus uses the phrase Son of Man here in Mark 2, the context seems to suggest that he is not speaking of any special property of his own. It's possible to take both of these quotes as saying the Son of Man, namely humans, have authority on earth to forgive sins. That forgiving sins is not some special divine prerogative, but in fact something that all of us Can do. And in the same way, quite clearly, he's saying that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, referencing back to the way that the Sabbath was set aside on the seventh day for God and the human to enjoy, the human having been made on the sixth day prior. And so the Son of Man, any Son of Man, any Son of Adam, any human being, has authority over the Sabbath to make use of the Sabbath. For our own good, rather than be subservient to it. So at first glance, we needn't capitalize son and man as most translations do. We are human beings and God authorizes us to forgive sins and to enjoy his Sabbath day. So take a moment and meditate on that truth. It's a partial truth, but it's nonetheless true. So meditate on that truth and then reflect upon yourself and draw whatever profit the Spirit has for you in the silence that follows, after which I'll read these two quotes again and offer a second meditation. Now let's hear these words of Christ a second time. The Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. The Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Now the second and apparently contradictory sense that we can take from these statements is that these are mysterious and oblique references to himself, as the rest of the book of Mark will attest, Jesus quite clearly uses the name Son of Man to refer to himself, to his own vocation as the Messiah. In fact, it seems to be his preferred term for himself. The The demons will call him Son of God, and we'll encounter many calling him Son of David. But when he speaks of himself, he speaks often in the third person as the son of man. And knowing that and being aware of that development in the course of the book, we can see that that apparently contradictory sense is at play here as well. For Jesus says that the son of man, namely himself, has authority on earth to forgive sins. Who can forgive sins, but God alone, the scribes wonder. And in this second sense, Jesus is agreeing, but recognizing that God has granted that authority to one single person, the son of man. And this forgiveness that he grants is then confirmed. His authority to do so is confirmed by his act of healing, the paralyzed man. And in the same way, the Sabbath being made for man, not man for the Sabbath, but of course, we humans have fallen, and the Sabbath had to be instituted as law and not merely as a feature of the rhythm of creation. And so, uniquely among human beings, the Son of Man, capital S, capital M, Jesus Himself the one whom the Father sent. He is the Lord, even of the Sabbath. As the one who is at one with the Ancient of Days, he has the authority to adapt, interpret, and authoritatively develop the meaning and application of Sabbath law. So here we have Son of Man as going from its first sense as just very generic, very general, very earthy, to very specific, utterly singular, and thoroughly heavenly. The unique authority of Christ to forgive, to exercise authority over the Sabbath, and in general to exercise an unheard of authority so now in this second silence, I invite you to meditate on this truth that Christ is the unique Son of Man, one like a son of Adam coming forth from the Ancient of Days, as was predicted in the book of Daniel, the Son of Man having this glorious, authoritative, unique identity in Christ that he exercises on our behalf. He alone is authorized to forgive sins. He alone is authorized to fulfill the Sabbath even as he seems to break it. He alone exercises divine authority among us. Meditate on this truth and reflect upon yourself and draw whatever profit the Spirit offers you. Now let's hear these two quotes a third and final time. The son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And the son of man is lord even of the sabbath. So how can these two truths become one? We've seen the general sense the son of man simply refers to human beings. And we've seen the the singular sense in which the Son of Man applies to Christ alone. And I've learned that one of the principles of interpreting Scripture is when I find that a concept or phrase is suspended between a very generic and a highly singular sense. To learn That these are somehow mysteriously one. That somehow by the Spirit, and it is the Holy Spirit that makes the singular universal and makes the universal singular. (laughs) Universal truths are made personal, particular, and singular for each of us by the Spirit. By that same Spirit, singular, utterly unique truths about Christ alone and God alone, through Christ and by His Spirit, are somehow made common, universal, general, something that we share in. So the Spirit is the mystery of the movement between the universal and the singular, between the wide generic sense and the utterly specific sense. I believe that applies in this case too, for it may in fact be true that God, from time immemorial or by way of a specific revelation has in fact granted the authority on earth to forgive sins to all of us, that the power to forgive is not the unique property of God or it is, and yet he shares it and does not cling to it, but grants it to us. But insofar as that is true, as a general truth, it is hidden from us, unavailable to us. For how can a sinner forgive another sinner? (laughs) How can I claim to have the holiness to grant another forgiven? How often when we apologize, are we waiting for another to apologize in return? And in that way, undermining our own (laughs) act of forgiveness and our own apology in the process. So it is through the one Son of Man, Jesus Christ, who has the authority to forgive, that we, as he hands the power of the keys to the kingdom to his disciples, and they also to us, that we learn that in the name of Jesus, we can declare the good news of forgiveness. As he says in other Gospels, Not Mark, but in Matthew and in in John in different ways. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever sins you forgive on earth will be forgiven in heaven. In this word, we see the union of the Son of Man's singular authority to forgive and the general authority of humans to forgive one another. A general authority that is so quickly lost in our own confusion and doubt. And so it's one thing for me to say, I forgive you when someone has done me wrong, but when a friend or a neighbor or one of my children or, or anyone just confesses their struggles, their sins, their burdens that were not committed against me, I in fact can, when the time is discerned to be right, I can declare the good news that in the name of Jesus Christ, Your sins are forgiven. I only have that authority by way of the Son of Man, Jesus. And yet, as myself also a son of Adam, a human being, it is fitting for that authority to be restored to me by him. And the same goes for the Sabbath and all the laws of God. I have no authority to just interpret them and apply them in bizarre, unexpected ways. And yet, Our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, He does. He is Lord of the Sabbath. He is the authoritative interpreter of the law of God. And it's through Him that I and you and we all, by faith in Him, that we learn to apply not the letter, but the spirit of the law. According to the case before us, according to God's original creative intention, audacious claims to be able to interpret God's word this way. But we may and must, for the Son of Man has established that authority in himself, but also in us. So my prayer is that the Spirit would unite the universal and the singular truth of the Son of Man, the Son of Adam, in your life this day. So I invite you to take one more silent moment to meditate on this third truth, which is itself just the first two, stated as one. To meditate upon it and to reflect upon yourself and draw whatever profit the Spirit has for you. And after this brief mode of silence, I'll then close with the Lord's prayer and you may join with me if you wish. And now let us pray as our Lord Jesus taught us to pray, saying, our Father who art in heaven,